So welcome back, everyone. Today, Dr. Peterson is back again to talk to us about stress, but this time there's a fun twist. We're talking about stress in regards to laughter, fairy tales, and humor. So let's get right into it. I'm sure we all remember fairy tales growing up, but what makes for a good fairy tale? Like what makes it a good story and why do we love them so much? Well, thanks, Tony. Um, it's really a, it, it's a great question because if you really think about it, um, fairy tales have a tremendous power and a, tr- a tremendous ability to uh, help us, especially in our, in our lives and give us a kind of a different perspective. And this really goes back a long ways to what even um, J.A.R.R.R. Tolkien, uh, in the, of course, the author of The Lord of the Rings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he wrote a, an essay on fairy stories. And he talked about fairy stories and he talked about it in the sense that we really have two levels or two types of belief. And the first one is primary belief. That's when if I tell you a story that is based on something that actually happened, well, then it's true, right? right? So that's primary belief. And so, and those aren't fairy tales. Those are just stories about Mm -hmm. things that happen. But he also talks about a second type of belief, which is called secondary belief. That's when you are told a story that you know is fictional, but the characters are so well-developed, the plot so well-developed, and the story so well-told, you get so drawn in. Right? There's kind of an emotional connection. You get happy when they're happy. You get sad when they get sad. You feel yeah. for the characters. And there's and it commands a, a, a secondary belief. And you get the feelings as if the story were true. Mm-hmm. And you get scared with the character. You care about the character. And at, you know, when there's a resolution at the end, you, you, you feel the same triumph as the character. Yeah. And there is this kind of story, even in today, when we don't really, we think of everything in terms of science. We think of everything in terms of data points and and factual information. But we really crave this type of fairy tale, the story that we can, that really speaks to the secondary belief system. And when you look at what do we believe on a secondary level, it's really we believe in stories that you know, that depict a supernatural world. They depict ability to cheat death, to escape death somehow, to get beyond time, right? And to, to work outside of uh, aging so you don't have that as an issue. Right. Uh, we, we love stories that talk about love as something that lasts, that, that where people don't leave you, that they're always going to be there for you. A, a, a kind of a love that overcomes death, which you yeah. see a lot in fairy tales. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so we want stories where good absolutely triumphs over evil. Uh, and that's a big part of our secondary belief system where we actually destroy evil. And we love stories where victory is snatched out of the jaws of defeat or where a, a, a hero sacrifices themselves to bring life out of certain death. And we'll pay great money, a lot of money to watch these things. We'll watch them over and (laughs) over again because they really speak to us. We'll go to movies. We'll read them in books. We'll we'll, 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 we'll listen to people who can tell these types of stories. And even though they're myths and they're legends and and fairy tales, um, they speak to us at a deeper level because ultimately this is what we really want. We know what the world is like. We know that people die. We know that love doesn't last forever, that people will leave us at some point, either through death or some other Mm -hmm. problem. 
we, we don't feel that we should be limited to time and we don't feel that we should die. And we don't feel, you know, that we feel that there's a certain rightness that has to be satisfied. And this is something that we really, really, um, it speaks to us and fairy tales reassure us of the secondary belief that we really have. And, you know, even though there isn't a, you know, we don't think there's a supernatural world, we, we think there ought to be a supernatural world. And we ought, and we think that love should always triumph and that we shouldn't be stuck in time. And so that is at the deeper level, this is what reality ought to be. Right. And that is why fairy tales, even though they aren't true at the factual level, we believe them to be true, right, at a deeper level. Mm -hmm. And that's the point. They point to an underlying reality that is more true than our factual reality. And it's, it's really how life should be lived in the world. Right. And, and fairy tales really speak to the secondary um, belief system. And that is what makes them so powerful. So stories that have these elements in them, that have a sense of, you know, fantasy, that, that there is a struggle, there's some kind of um, escape. And ultimately, there has to be a consolation at the end. Yeah. Right. Where there's where good triumphs, where the victor, you know, deserves to win. Right. Right. So then do fairy tales also apply to us in adulthood as well? So do those messages and fairy tales help us as adults to deal with stress or cope with stress? Well, yeah, they do. In fact, you know, we talk about children, um, you know, needing fairy tales to give them a sense of hope. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the biggest thing is fairy tales give us a sense of hope that that world is all right, that there's things that can happen that are that even though there's struggles and things like that. you know, we, we still, we still, um, there's, a, there's a positiveness there. The child, in fact, when they're reading fairy tales at the end, they have a, a hope that they can overcome something, that they can grow up, that they will be an adult someday, that they'll reach maturity and mm-hmm. be able to be independent and autonomous and things like that, have some control over their life. Well, if you go back to adults, we have the same, even, you know, misgivings or, or doubts about ourselves. Do we yeah. have enough control do is thing are things right in the world are things just you know does good triumph over evil and and fairy tales do the same things they there's adult fairy tales i mean lord of the rings is even though it's written for teenagers let's say it speaks to adults yeah right and very popular for adults uh you can do the same thing with uh c.s lewis's um uh the what lion the witch in the wardrobe i mean that was a very popular one that was very good um, and those were all things and even Harry Potter, which ran its series for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, it, adults enjoyed them just as much as children did. Oh, yeah. They were obsessed. <laughs> well, and it's because they speak to that secondary yeah. level of, of belief that we have that we that's really I want to say it's almost inherent within us and mm-hmm. that we, we really believe in these things. And and that's what gives us a sense of courage. It gives us a sense of hope it gives us a sense of motivation it gives us a sense of you know it's all going to be work out in the end right and Mm -hmm. that's the value that these these stories have um the ones that don't do so well are the ones that don't have those elements in it um you know you may have a story for example that is fantasy and it may have supernatural elements to it and it may have but at the end there's no consolation yeah like there's no overcoming it's just a story and yeah, you can escape for a while and you can get, a, you enjoy the, the, the fairy tale for a while or 
or the story for a while, and it, it gives you a respite from reality. But in the end, you're not left with a sense of hope, with a sense of uh, that that things will be good with the world. Right. It's like um, you know when you, we you talk about different elements of story. Some uh, fairy tales or things that we have literally at the end of the story, you feel worse. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Those are not good fairy tales, no, right? No. They're actually they're, they may escape, but at the end, they're very dark. They're very they're not helpful. They don't uplift. Yeah. Uh, they tend to make you feel a little depressed at the end, or hopeless, or these. Those are not stories that will help your stress, right? In fact, it'll no. probably create one. <laughs> right, um, right. But the type of stories that Tolkien writes about, um, and he talked about, are the ones that really help you deal with stressful situations. Right. Even as an adult. Right. So then what do we take away more from? Um, fairy tales as opposed to other forms of storytelling like movies or television shows or video games? Well, I know video games are pretty popular right now among a lot of people, but mm -hmm. they're not really, in the essence, they have a, a fantasy um, element to them. They have, uh, you, you can escape for a while and play things for a while. Uh, you know, that, that do this and they can create some kind of struggle that's there. Um, but, you know, and, and a lot of these things are very, very helpful. But at the same time, they, not, they don't they're not as good as a true fairy tale in the sense that Tolkien talks about, which right. is having that fantasy, having that um, recovery, escape and consolation elements in it. And there's they, they don't really play to the same level as this. Now, they can or they may have elements to it. Um, but people assume their avatar, for example, and their, their avatar will yeah. go out and they'll, they'll be that character and it can be helpful in it, but at the same time, it, it may not be because it doesn't, it doesn't play to that. It's got to play to that deeper belief system, right? Now movies can, if they have those elements that are there, if stories have those elements to them, it, it as we talked about, then they actually can be pretty helpful, right? right. Um, but, you know, it's the point is, is that it, there's an escape fantasy and then there's a, a true fantasy. Right. And you can escape for a while and do things. There's also what we call epic or, or heroic epics. Right. And some of these things can be involved in in um, video games. Um, and yeah. they're, they, they're, they're a different genre, but it's really uh, in, a, in a heroic epic. There's an ongoing struggle between chaos and order. Mm -hmm. Right. And so order is what, you know. Right. What's it's synonymous with the known. OK. And chaos is synonymous with with the unknown. And when and the characters have to struggle with the unknown. All right. And this brings a lot of distress. Right. Because you're dealing with the unknown mm -hmm. and you have to overcome that. And, but it's through the struggle and the stress that we overcome. We grow and mature. Right. Right. And then that creates a new state of order. Right. Once you overcome. And so that we emerge better than we were before. Right. In other words, there's order in the world again. Mm -hmm. But don't worry, chaos will come back at some point. And it's the <laughs> right. whole cycle that goes through. But the heroic epic is another type of genre that actually is like the, uh, the can be like the fairy tale, right? And allow us to to do that. And in some cases, some video games have elements of that, and some shows and movies have some elements of that. Um, but ultimately, you've got to play to that belief system, right? Because right? if you don't. It doesn't help you from the stress standpoint, right? Because it's got to be something that is literally going to make you be hopeful, uh, to be encouraged, to realize that there's good in the world, that you can, mm -hmm. you know, become better. You can you can overcome obstacles and situations, and 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 
that the things that we think life ought to be like, right, mm -hmm. are reassured or reaffirmed. And those are the important elements of fairy tales and why reading a good book, right, a good fairy tale will actually make you feel better and right. you will actually be able to take on the day better. Right. So it's kind of like they'll make you feel like whatever you're going through is kind of worth it in the end, like there's a payoff to it. Yes, you'll, you'll make those analogies in your own mind as you go right. through. And you'll, you'll say, well, you know, the character in this book went through this. Now, you know it's fantasy, but yeah. it's yeah. playing to that secondary belief system that you have, which is this is the way the world ought to be, and this is the way my life ought to be. Right. And right. so you work, and it encourages you. And, those, and that's what the real value of fairy tales are. So I encourage people, read fiction, good <laughs> fiction, right? Right. Because that's a, that's a very good way to deal with distress. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's not it's not an avoidance strategy as it is. It's a it's a refueling. It's right. reassuring. Yeah, and yeah. You'll escape for a while and maybe get your mind off whatever distresses you. But in reading those good things, you actually feel better at the end of it, and it and it encourages you to take on the day, take and do things with your life, and address the obstacles and struggles that we all have. Right. All right, so now switching the topic a little bit, we're going to look at humor, and we all enjoy a good laugh. So what role does laughter and humor play in our life? Oh, laughter and humor is like huge, right? <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, it's it's an important part. I mean, there's nothing worse than being sour all your life and not doing yeah. things. But, there, you know, Reader's Digest used to have this um, section in it, and Reader's Digest was a very common uh, uh, weekly, I think a weekly or monthly magazine, 60s, 70s, 80s. And they had a section which was called "Laughter is the Best Medicine." Yeah, and, and it would be uh, it was really about um, you know it had jokes and small little humorous stories and things like that, and it really made us you know you read I used to always read that when I was growing up because it was funny and it was enjoyable and mm -hmm. it's one of the reasons why we like cartoons and we like different things right yeah. because it, it has some element and it, it provides some levity and some what do we call positive psychology to the day. Mm -hmm. Right, so things aren't all bad and stressful and you know and dire. There's some humor in things. Right, right. So then um, we've kind of talked about situational humor, but could you explain what that is and how it works? Well, situational humor is using humor in various situations for various means or or for per different purposes. Um, you know, humor is um, there's. When you use humor in certain situations, especially in, like in, let's say, an office uh, environment, um, humor can be used to sort of show where people are in the hierarchy, you know. And so, you know, it's typically a boss can tease or or tell jokes about subordinates, but subordinates can't right, you know, tell right. jokes <laughs> at least to their face, right? Uh, right. Um, and, and that can be part of the the situation where people use humor to try to break, uh, make things uh, right. Um, when, uh, in dating environments, right, it's situational, you know, yeah. guys will come up to a girl and they'll try to take, make her laugh well, <laughs> yeah. because well, why do they do that? Well, they want to make her laugh because it's sort of an introduction. Mm -hmm. And if she laughs, then it's like, okay, now I can go to the next step. I can right. ask and engage this. If she doesn't laugh and she looks blankly back, it's, she's not rejecting me. She's rejecting my joke. Right. 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 And so you don't take it as personal. So. And, and then the guy can just go away and say, oh, she doesn't have a sense of humor, right? Yeah. She's like, phew, glad I didn't have to deal with that guy. <laughs> yeah. right? and so anyways, so you get these things. But humor is it's, it's oftentimes used to express sexual desire. It's, it's, it's used in situations 
you know, you'll laugh more with people that you want to get to know, right? Yeah. And it's a sign of openness and open to jokes and teasing. And teasing is a, and, you know, is, is a sign of acceptability. And it also establishes like a community. Yeah. Like if you are part of a community, I mean, people, I mean, sometimes in our politically correct culture, we go way too far because yeah. <laughs> it, it prevents people from actually enjoying humor in environments that actually is inclusive. And so you may tease somebody for about anything. It, it, it could be any number of things. But the point of the teasing is not to marginalize people. It's to see whether or not you're going to be part of the group. Mm -hmm. Right. And so people will test people with humor. I remember working for a, a, a roads crew, right, in a township, and they used humor all the time. They would tease each other all the time, and, and, and to an outsider, it looked sometimes like they were being cruel, right? right? And they would play jokes on each other out throughout the day, right? They would do different things that would just were very humorous. Um, and so anyways, it was just one of those things that people used to, um, if, to, to include people, but if you were got upset about it, well, then it was like shark in the water. I mean, right. blood in the water, the sharks would go and they would go after you because clearly you're not ex being accepted into the group. You're rejecting the group yeah. because you're not, you're not having fun with the humor and, and people want in certain environments that people to be, um, you know, like them to accept them. And mm -hmm. humor is a means of sort of testing the waters to see whether you're going to be part of the group. Right. Um, you know, it's like this one guy, I remember this one story someone mentioned once about the, he brought a lunch pail they called to work and he's an old, and he's a guy and, it's, and everyone else brought, you know, in a paper bag. So they called him lunchbox and well, he got all offended. Right. And so they just, and, but they, then when he got offended, they just said, okay, he's not, doesn't have a sense of humor. So then they really went after him. Yeah. Right. And, Eventually, it, the humor and the teasing forced him out, right? Yeah. Because he wasn't willing to be part of the group. If he would have just laughed at himself and said, yeah, I got lunchbox, you know, it yeah. probably would have dropped, right? Yeah. And they would have laughed and always, like, maybe teased him. But it, it showed an inclusiveness right. uh, that's there, which is all so important. Yeah. So then can humor help the way we deal with life or how we view stress? Um or could it be used to maybe even diffuse a situation if it's like really tense? Yes. Um, humor is, we use it a lot in life. In fact, we use humor in ways to help us deal with um, uh, situations which are, can be very stressful or, um, and oppressive. And so people will, will, you know, tease, make fun. And this sometimes will create what I call in-group, out-group type yeah. things. I still remember this one case where, again, at this road crew I worked up on, uh, they really didn't like the supervisor. The supervisor was kind of ridiculous. And so, but they, back then they had all these radio ways. So you would talk on the walkie talkies to each other. Yeah. And so they basically sent this, he, the supervisor was trying to find people and, and what they would do, all the people would say, Oh, I saw him on this road or this concession road or this side road. And all they were doing is leading him around all day. He was yeah. driving around all day. Right. And then yeah. the other guys would switch to a different channel and say, you know, <laughs> see where the guy was. And the whole point was to just make fun of the supervisor. Yeah. And the supervisor spent five hours trying to find somebody <laughs> driving around the township and they kept moving all the time. And this was all a huge game. And why? Because they were annoyed with the supervisor yeah. and, it, and it sort of made everyone uh, laugh because, you know, of course, the supervisor wasn't happy. He came in right. at the end of the day and he said, well, there you are. You know, and, yeah. you know, and, and I said, I've been looking for you. Why didn't you answer? Oh, my man, the guy is looking for says, well, my radio was out. You know, of course he was lying. But yeah. anyway, the point was, is that people use that, but also people use it, uh, use humor in a intense situation. Someone will try to crack a joke and it eases yeah. the stress, the, the conflict that's there. 
and it, and it helps people to um, reposition and diffuse some of the, the tension or the hostility. Right. Uh, and humor can actually be used to um, show how silly people are being, right, or acting, mm-hmm. right, because we get so upset about things, and then um, that's kind of one of the one of the problems, right? People will get upset about something, but if you have a jokester in there, that can be very helpful to yeah. kind of diffuse it. And that's actually, um, yeah, and so that can be very helpful. Yeah. So are there certain types of humor that help us more in certain situations than others? Well, it's kind of interesting because um, there's, you know, there's different types of humor that, you know, have been written about. I mean, there's what I call the acting the fool, right? And so that, that that's a person who can criticize and use foolishness in order to criticize others. And everybody knows them to be foolish, but usually yeah. the fool is, is making something known to people in power, mm-hmm. right? Without suffering the consequence. This is what the role of the court jester was, for yeah, example. Yeah. Or they would say all these jokes and they would act foolish, but you know, a, a king would sometimes make rules or edicts or, or laws that were absolutely horrible. Right. right. And so the, the fool or the court jester could, act foolish and and maybe pantomime something or 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 illustrating the foolishness of the law mm-hmm. and then it would point to the king how foolish it was but right. because it was made in jest and fun and everybody knew it was a fool it gave the king an out yeah right? and yeah. so essentially <laughs> say, oh you're just uh, okay well we'll just move on that's foolishness you know and, yeah and then but that's kind of one one rule so that's the fool the clown is someone who is or clownishness is it kind of mediates between order and disaster mm-hmm. you know we talk about chaos and order right yeah. and that yin and yang well the clown is always stepping from one side to the other and and, and we're like oh you know yeah. this is gonna <laughs> oh no the clown and, yeah. and they're and they're and they're sort of giving us humor as as what how we go through life they're sort of promoting the idea that you know life is a balancing act between these things and it's kind of humorous to see a clown go through that yeah and of course, you have the joker. Uh, people who tell jokes, though, are are very helpful because they're very creative. If you're if you're a good joke teller, yeah, um, you know, you get the class, you know, the joker in class. Sometimes they're just very creative, and they can they can help in terms of idea generation mm-hmm. or problem solving. Because in the process of telling the jokes, it loosens people up. It helps right. the creative juices to keep rolling, and that can be very helpful. Right. In terms of uh, helping to address stress or get people to think more in a problem solving area rather than just being right. overcome by, uh, you know, the, this, the distress that they're feeling of a situation. Right. Um, and then, of course, there's the comedian, which is they're what we call impression managers. Right. They allow us to see hidden meanings behind things or expose agendas. You know, mm-hmm. so you use humor rather than creating conflict, you use humor to to point things out, how silly things they are or right. how ludicrous things are or how, um, you know, how things are not just, uh, you know, as, as they seem to be, right. Mm-hmm. This is what's really going on. Yeah. Right. And they can expose things in a humorous way and it gets people to see the, the laughter or the, the lighter side of things. Mm-hmm. And people will use these techniques, especially going through situations like right now we're going through this pandemic and, you will start to see more humor coming out as we make fun of those in power who are who are who yeah. are making these rules and things like that. Um, it's becoming more common for people to make fun of them, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a means of kind of 
fighting back when you don't have as much power and to right. deal with the stress of not having as much control or being able to, uh, you know, live your life as you, as you would like to. Uh, and, and that's really the role that's, that it has. Yeah. So then are people who are funny, do they have an advantage in stressful situations compared to people who might not be as funny or just not funny at all? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, they are. In fact, people who are funny, we tend to gravitate to. I mean, yeah. they're the life of the party. They're people you invite over, to, you know, for different social events. Um, they're, they, they also have the ability to disarm others who may be angry with them and mm -hmm. or to get their way. They may use humor to lower your defenses. Yeah, right? that's and, my and brother. Begin, <laughs> right, and be able to influence right people better. And that's, and that's really helpful. I mean, people who have a quick wit and a good sense of humor are, are popular people. Yeah. In fact, um, one of the things that when people are talking about if what they with what men desire in women, what women desire in men, one of the top traits is a sense of humor, mm -hmm. right? Because they're a person who can look at life and see it, you know, in a positive way. They can, right. they can make jokes about things. They're not dire and depressing and, you know, negative. The, the ability to have a sense of humor about oneself and about situations to see the lighter side of things actually makes life less stressful and more bearable. Mm -hmm. And that is so important. And that's why it's important to cultivate a sense of humor, to, to learn to, to laugh and being able to laugh at oneself too. Yeah. Uh, it's a sign of humility and it's a sign of growth of maturity. Uh, and those are all important things that we all need to have as we go, as we go there. So as I say, laughter is the best medicine. <laughs> so, Develop it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So thank you, Dr. Peterson, for your time and your thoughts on this topic of fairy tales, laughter, and humor. So for more health-related podcasts and other interesting articles, please check out Get Up and Do Something at guads.org. Until next time, this is Tony, your host of the Guads Uplift podcast series.